It's hard to say when or how, but make no mistake, it can happen in your home and in your heart. Love unseated will leave your heart and your home weak, wanting and without. My wife, Joy, and I recently purchased a home back in February. This home needed a full frame-off restoration from the outside, inside, floors, bathrooms, ceilings, everything. And during it, it was a very interesting and trying experience, but as the project ended, so did our budget. And so to save a little money, we held off on furniture. We got our beds, which was pretty much all we needed, and we had one sad gray love seat that we just moved from room to room wherever we needed to sit. And if friends and family would come over to see how the renovations were coming, we would say, where would you like to stand? It was an interesting time. The history of the love seat is an interesting one as well. Best guess, love seat was invented around the 17th century as an age when women's fashions, specifically the dresses, were much larger, required more space to sit comfortably. As fashion changed, so did the function of the love seat, which was modified to allow for courting couples to sit closely in public to enjoy privacy while maintaining prudence, which was the custom of the day. Nowadays, the love seat is a little more than a smaller couch crammed into studio apartments or smaller living spaces, sad substitutes and cheaper sibling of the couch. And as commonplace as a flat panel television, the cheap furniture surrounding it in your living room. The history of love is an interesting one as well. Depending on your beliefs, love is defined from a certain point of view. For some, it's a commitment in shape of marriage, children, a family, a white picket fence. For others, it's a luxury item for those who already found themselves, their calling, their career. For others still, love is more clunky and complicated than a box of cheap furniture that's dumped out on the floor. Pieces everywhere. Language, direction of language in a different language. And there you sit helplessly holding a tiny wrench, trying to figure out how all this fits together. Doubting love will ever work that well for you. That love will look that good for you or be that for you. It's hard to say when or how, but make no mistake, it can happen in your home and it can happen in your heart. Love unseated will leave your heart and your home weak, wanting and without. But a sturdy home and a steady heart is built anticipating the heat of hard days and cold winter nights. A sturdy home and a steady heart is built expecting the coming rain and stormy weather. A sturdy home and a steady heart is built to, to last through a, a misrepresented text message. When the check comes late, a sturdy home and a steady heart is built to stand. A sturdy home and a steady heart never fails. Is your home sturdy? Is your heart steady? If not, love unseated will leave you weak, wanting, and without. I'm gonna pray, and I truly hope wherever you find yourself in this moment, listening to this audio, gathered around a TV, or by yourself on your phone, or any platform, I pray that in this moment, you find a piece of God's massive love for you. That you will break down some barriers that you've been holding on to. You'll be authentic and you'll be vulnerable for maybe the first time in a really long time. So as we pray, if you'll attempt, and I encourage you to open up. Jesus, we pray in the only name that we believe is deserving of prayer. 
We hope and pray that you will give us a glimpse of your love, the depth, the width, the size, the magnitude of your endless, unconditional, forgiving, grace-filled, passionate, reckless love. For many are broken, and we believe broken beyond repair. And you see us whole. You see us with love-filled eyes. Allow us to feel the way that you feel about us. Wrap your arms around our broken. Fill our hearts, fill our heads, fill our homes with love that is beyond compare. We pray this in the only name we know, the name, the, the author of love, Jesus. Amen. Well, welcome to Faith Promise and Rooms, a month-long tour through our hearts and our homes as we make room for a designer who pulls everyone together and holds everything together. Now, no matter what you did, if you found yourself, you clicked a link or you saw an ad or someone shared this link, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube, you're on the chat. If you invited someone to this, we thank you so much. And if you're new to this, you have no idea who I am. My name is Micah and I have the experience and the honor to be a pastor here at Faith Promise. And we're so thankful that you found us no matter how you did. If you call yourself a promiser, in this moment, we would love for you to share this experience at this moment. If you're on Facebook, share it with the rest of your Facebook family. If you're on YouTube or you're on our online platform, share, copy and paste and share. It is never easier to send the message of hope to people that you believe need it. We should do that right now. So I'll give you a moment to share that. We're so excited for this unbelievable series. Even if you're unsure about God, faith or church, you have no idea why you're sitting listening. We can all agree we want our homes and our families to last our hearts overflowing with love. So if you will, take a seat with me and see for yourself how a love seat in the center of your heart and home will make all of the difference in the world. Now, I'd love to know right now in the chats, what is your least favorite piece of furniture in your home right now? Go ahead, is it your bed? Is it too stiff? Is it too soft? Is it your couch or love seat? My wife, when we bought our first home, she bought a love seat and a couch and the fabric was twill. I don't know if you've ever experienced sitting on twill, but it makes me feel like what they wore in the movie Gladiator. It feels hot and sticky. You want to come home for a cool, nice leather or soft, supple couch. No, no, no. We had twill. What is your least favorite? Is it an end table? Is it your kitchen counter? We'd love to know in the chats what's your least favorite piece of furniture. So we've all done it. We've been shopping online and we see that perfect piece. And the price set to match. This has to be Ikea's fault. There's no way this price is real. That shelf is perfect. That cabinet, that bed frame, can you believe it? And you purchase it. And you wait anxiously every day to hope that it gets shipped in. And you wait like a child for Christmas morning. And you get it and it looks a little small. Did I purchase the right thing? Did Ikea send me the wrong cabinet. And then you open the box and realize, oh yes, it is the right cabinet. But instead of coming whole, it comes in one million pieces. And you have one wrench, and it's always an Allen wrench. I'm not sure why that's the universal way to tighten things, because it's always just too small to get in. It can be demoralizing. It can be frustrating. It can be marriage fracturing to put together a piece of furniture with the one that you're supposed to love the most. Because you try to skip a step. We all do. There's five steps to putting the table together. You skip step two, you have to go back. And your wife says, why did you skip step two? And you ask yourself, 
why did I marry you? It's happened to all of us. It's frustrating. It's demoralizing. I get it. There are some listening, watching who are afraid to love, who are afraid to be loved, and it can be challenging to love the unlovable. I assume for my wife it's challenging to love me. And when love wasn't modeled for you in the first place, could you imagine trying to attempt putting all of these pieces together without directions, without a model, directions, or both? It can be demoralizing. It was demoralizing for Madeline. She was a 15-year-old, and she was asked about love, and she said, love is just a word. It has no meaning. It's very rare you will ever find someone who really likes you for who you are, for yourself, for your originality. Rarely, if ever, do you find someone who really cares. At 15, she talks like love about that. Another student interviewed added, everyone wants love and no one wants to admit it. Those are just kids, Micah. What do they know about love? That's a great question, mom and dad. What do your kids know about love? When they hear the word love coming from you, who is talking to them about love? When is the last time you sat down seated your family around and had a real vulnerable conversation about love? Is your heart and home a love seat? Is real love resting comfortably in your heart and home? If not, let's bring love back to the couches and comforts of our homes and our hearts and be real. Love to those who should, we should love the most. Let's make room for a designer who pulls everyone together and holds everything together, no matter how scattered the pieces feel. Who's all in? I think this has been my favorite of all of the books and themes for the year. Let me know how you are being all in right now. Tell us how you're being all in right now in the chat. We would love to hear about that. I'd love you to read something powerful from someone who knew Jesus, a real love expert. His name is John. He wrote, God is love. When we take up permanent residence in a life of love, we live in God and God lives in us. This way, love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's, which I think is pretty incredible. There is no room in love for fear. Well-formed love banishes fear. Another translation says perfect love casts out fear. Do you see it? Love kicks fear off the couch. Last weekend, Zach shared a time about when Jesus cleared out the temple and how we must clear out our homes and our hearts. Let me ask you a question. Is fear comfortable on the couch with you? Well, Micah, the Bible talks about fear of God as the beginning of wisdom. And Pastor just talked about a couple weeks ago the fear of God. The Greek word for fear here is a little different. In 1 John, he talks about a fear and it's called phobos like a slave relationship, not the reverence of a son or obedience to a father like the Bible. That pastor recommends, talked about this a couple weeks ago, we were supposed to revere and love and fear God in such a way, but the kind that John is referring to is a crippling fear, a fearful life. Fear of death, fear of judgment is not yet one fully formed in love. Fear does not exist in real love. Jesus was, I believe, perfectly planning for our COVID culture right now. If you are seated in your bank account, if you are seated in social media, if you are seated in politics, if your heart and home is resting on anything other than love, then of course you are gonna be worried. Of course you're going to be filled with anxious and fear and frustration. A heart and home with love unseated, it's weak. 
It's incomplete. It's unfinished. Not ready for the weight of the world. It's not ready for the weight of COVID. It's not ready for the weight of our political environment all askew. What are some weights that you're waiting on, you and your family? Are you waiting to be like back into your job? Are you waiting to go from part-time back to full like, like you were always planning to? Let us know in the chats what you're waiting on, what you're concerned about. If you have any concerns or prayer, let us know right now in the chat so we can begin praying for you immediately. You need some real love seated as a new centerpiece in the rooms of your heart and home. Now, what does that look like? Well, do you rattle like cheap furniture at the fear of loss, the fear of love itself? Do you tilt toward thinking that you're unable to love or unworthy of love? Love unseated will leave you feeling weak and wobbly like an old piece of furniture. If we continue reading, John writes, we though are going to love, love and be loved. First, we were loved. Now we love. He loved us first. In just a few minutes, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that. But I totally, completely agree with John here and believe love is a response to our Father's love. The only way that we can truly love ourselves and others is because we were loved in the first place. And if you're not yet following Christ, if you find real love is impossible to find and keep, and take it from me, real love from anywhere else or someone else will never do. Because unless they got it from God, it's a cheap substitute. My wife and I, like I said, we bought a bed. It was awesome. I put it together. I put it together on the first try. I didn't have to go back to step two because I've learned. I'd take all the steps. Put it together. Put the mattress on. We'll put our sheet on. It's incredible. And my wife says, there's a crack in the headboard. I couldn't believe it. We just bought this thing. So we took a picture. The company was incredible. They sent us another headboard. That headboard had a crack in a different spot. It took us three tries to get a headboard that was perfect. Do you feel right now that the headboard of your heart is cracked and it can never be filled? That it was damaged beyond repair? That in the box when you were born, it felt like someone was stomping all over it like a poorly FedEx frustrated man? Love unseated will leave you wanting. When this build it yourself, a symbol knockoff fails, is any wonder love unseated leaves us wanting? Now, loving God is hard. Loving others is harder because they mess up, and so do we. And then there's punishment for them and us for mistakes or punishing the mistake maker. Just ask Taylor Swift, one of the most popular music artists of our time, has seemingly everything she wants, but her fame and fortune come from her songs writing about love that she can possibly never find. Love unseated leaves us wanting. Let's keep reading what John writes. If anyone boasts love God and goes right on hating his brother or sister, thinking nothing of it, he's a liar. If he won't love the person he can see, how can he love the God he can't see? This command we have from Christ is blunt. Loving God includes loving people. You've got to do both. Real love seated somewhere else. Seated somewhere that I don't think some of us have ever sat before. Real love is seated in Jesus Christ and him alone. Because without this, all the love is lessened, it's reduced, it's cheapened. And when we live with a weakened and wanting love, eventually that kind of love will fail. And when love fails, our enemy pulls the rug out from under our feet and convinces us that love is not worth it. Or worse, love is not possible. And when love unseated in our heart, in our home, you find yourself standing alone and without. 
love unseated will leave you without. In a recent study, a troubling trend is developing over the past decade. The percentage of young adults getting married is plummeting. And yet, the percentage of unmarried young adults living together is staying roughly the same. What does that mean? Today, more 18 to 34-year-olds live with their parents rather than a spouse or a romantic partner. Love worth living with and living for is at an all-time low. And for an entire upcoming generation, living without love is better than risking living in search of love. So for a young person today, poetry would sound more like this. Tis better to have never loved at all than to have loved and lost. If you feel alone in this season, let us, let us know so we can pray for you right now and walk with you right now. So many of us, we miss opportunities. Let's engage with each other right now. Let's be vulnerable and authentic. If you in a season of hurt and pain, let us know. You do not have to live without love in your heart and your home. Let me read you a more divinely inspired take on love. I believe we all talk about this around our friends and family. What is your desert island book? What is your desert island movie? I believe this chapter in 1 Corinthians can and should be many of our desert island chapters. If I speak with tongues of men and of angels but do not have love, I become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I know all the mysteries and the knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Let's get practical because I believe John was writing about what Jesus said earlier in his life when he said, if you have the faith the size of a mustard, so you could tell that mountain to jump in the heart of the ocean. And people, I believe, after that, chased after the big, grandiose, bombastic moves of God and they forgot the centerpiece of what Jesus came to do. It was to love you and it was to love me. It was to love you fully and completely. What does that look like, Micah? I'm so glad you asked. He continues, he says, love is patient. I'm not that patient. Love is kind. I struggle with this. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag and is not arrogant. Trust me, this is, if this matters to anyone, if you hear nothing, this is just gonna be some self-psychiatry because this verse wrecks me to the core. Love does not act unbecomingly. It doesn't seek its own. Love is not provoked, does not take into account wrong sufferings. I always tell Joy, double standard. When she does something that she gets mad at me about, but she can do it herself, I say, double standard. Hey, you left the cup out, double standard. You left your shoes out, double standard. I walk around like an accountant measuring her wrong sufferings in my book. Love does not take into account wrong sufferings. How do you do in that? Love does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with truth. Love, love bears all things. It bears the dishes, it bears impatience, it bears frustration, it bears COVID, it bears staying indoors, believes all things. It believes for your spouse that she really is who she said she was. She is doing the things she's tried. It believes the best, it believes all things, it hopes all things, it endures all things. No matter what has happened, love will endure. Love never fails. But if there are gifts of prophecy, they'll be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, John is speaking about Jesus, the partial will be done away. When I was a child, I used to speak like a child. 
think like a child, reason like a child. When I became a man, I did away with childish things. For now we see dimly, but then face to face when Jesus comes. Now I know in part, but then when Jesus comes, I will know fully just as I also have been known fully. But for now, until Jesus comes, John says, faith, hope, and love. Abide these three. But he says the greatest of these is love. Greater than faith, greater than works, greater than miracles is love. So how does this get practical? How do we put this in our lives, Micah? This is awesome. This is great stuff. Love is incredible. But what do I do? My wife and I can barely talk to each other without fighting. My daughter, I don't know how to how to talk to her. Son or daughter, you don't know how to communicate. You don't know how to familiarize yourself with what in the world your parents are talking about or saying. How do we practically put this into our voices, into our language, into our calendar, into our actions? If you will do this one thing, I believe you will grow in this because this is not a one message moment. This is not a one prayer fixes all. I believe if you will put 1 Corinthians 13 in your heart. If you're a single person, memorize it. If you're married without kids, read it together before you go to bed. If you're married with kids, sit around as you're doing now and watching this. Read it before you have dinner. It's only a couple minutes. And as you read it, talk about things that you struggle with that you could get better at. I know I can get better at taking into account wrong sufferings. That is something that is so critical for me. To be fully known and fully loved is a powerful reality. I think it's time to shake it up. I think it's time for you and I, if you can, if you're not, on the, if you're not driving, if you can be safe, I need you to stand up for me. I need you to shake it up because we need to shake it up in your home and make love the centerpiece. We have for too long sat on a counterfeit love seat that the world, the culture, your, your pain of your past is shaped. And I believe if we put 1 Corinthians into action, if we make God, God's true love, the centerpiece of our home, it'll improve your marriage, I guarantee you. It'll improve the relationship with your parents, son and daughter, with your kids, mom and dad, with your family and friends because love unseated will leave your heart and your home weak, wanting and without. For as long as I can remember, performing was my favorite thing to do. My favorite thing. I always wanted to be an actor, a comedian. I wanted to, I wanted to make people laugh. All I wanna do in the world is make people laugh because honestly, there are times when I think if I can't make people laugh that there's something wrong with me. And when Jesus encountered me, what his love did for me was make me not have to perform anymore. Because I thought I had to perform for love. My parents never, made, never said that I was supposed to, but I always felt like I did. I would do anything for my father's approval for his adulation, for his praise. I would do anything to make my friends laugh because I thought that laugh meant their love. Long before Jesus laid down earth's foundations, he had you in mind. He had me in mind. He'd settled on us as the focus of his love to be made whole and holy by his love. Long, long ago, he decided to adopt us to his family through Jesus Christ. And what a pleasure he took in planning this. He wanted us to enter into the celebration of his lavish gift, giving by the hand of his beloved son. 
If you want to be spiritually adopted right now into God's family, this is exactly what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together because no one prays alone at Faith Promise. And in this moment, you may have felt you like you've never felt before because any word surrounding the word love for you brings you pain. You've lost people. People have been taken away from you. It's Memorial Day. Some of you may have lost someone and you never got to say goodbye. You lost them on a distant battlefield and you never got to say how you truly felt. You've been hurt, you've been damaged, you've been broken. And now you're sitting on a wobbly counterfeit piece of love that the world has built, that your parents built, that your ex-boyfriend built, that your ex-wife or husband built. You're sitting on a broken piece of counterfeit love that was never meant for you. God never wanted you to walk through that, but now that you have, he's ready and waiting. It is the greatest decision that I've ever made was accepting him, and now I can rest fully in love. I don't have to perform. I perform when I want to. I make my friends and family laugh because I want to, not because I believe it's their love that fills me, but God's love fills me so much deeper than anyone, any praise, any laugh ever could. So I'm gonna pray this prayer, and if you would just repeat after me, I believe your life can be changed forever. If you just say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I've made mistakes. I chose the wrong love. I'm seated in the wrong love. I believe in you. I want to make you the centerpiece of my home. I want your Holy Spirit to fill the room of my heart. I believe you died for me. And that perfect gift was enough. Thank you. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we're so excited for you. Below in the screen is a number you can text. If you'll text the word SAVED, the number below, you get a communication card. And the reason we want you to fill that communication card out and you fill out whatever you feel comfortable filling out is because we want to walk alongside you immediately through this. What an incredible time for you. You want to be there through every step. If you have questions about any more about this message or about this church, this spiritual family, about baptism, about serving, being part of a group, I don't think there's any way better to love others than to serve God's local church. Get baptized. If you have any of those questions, if you go to faithpromiseconnect.com, we would love to be a part of that for you. If you'll get a link to a card, if you just fill out what you feel comfortable, we will get a hold of you as soon as we possibly can. We love you so very much. Our worship team's gonna come in and we're gonna transition to a, a song that's properly named Reckless Love. You may believe that you've wrecked your life beyond repair, that you fractured the furniture of your heart, that you can't put the pieces back together. Guess what? You can't, but his reckless love can and will if you will allow it. Let's be vulnerable and let's worship together. We love you so very much. Let's enjoy this song.